Uh, we are talking about, if you've seen the slide, if you've seen an invitation, we're talking about real power to change. And you know, for some people, that can almost sound like a joke in and of itself. Because a lot of people don't realize or believe that there actually is such a thing as power to change. But as we sit on the card, we're not fooling. It is April Fool's Day. But power to change is real. And I think that most of us here this morning can probably think of something that we would like to change about ourselves. Uh, you may want to be healthier. You may want to be more organized, maybe more confident or more relaxed. You may want to be less stressed, uh, less angry, less bored. You may want to be a better person, a better spouse, a better child, a better employee, whatever it may be. But in all my years of ministry, if there's one common remark or comment that I hear from people, it's, Paul, I want to change but I don't know how. I don't have the power to change. And we all go through it in different ways, don't we? We go to seminars, we read books, we go on diets, we hit the gym for a little while, all these things, trying to change something about ourselves, trying to find a, a catalyst, trying to find an energy or, or a dynamic that can actually bring lasting change to our lives. But then, of course, after a season of time, that enthusiasm begins to wane and we fall back into the same old rut, and a lot of times we feel like we don't change. So the question is, where do I find the power to change? And that really is at the heart of the issue. It's the absence of the power to change. We have the desire, we have the reminders, but actually having the power to change in our lives. And really, that's what Easter is all about. I love this verse the Apostle Paul wrote to the Christians in Philippi. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, he says this, All I want to know is Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. He goes on to say later on, he says, If the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you, then that same power will make you come alive. There's another scripture where Paul writes to the believers in Ephesus. In chapter 1, he says, I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of of God's power for us who believe Him. He didn't say, I pray that you'd all start going to church. He didn't say, I pray that you'd all get really religious. No, he says, I just pray that you would know God and you would know the incredible power He gives to those who believe in Him. It is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. Now, the word power in the New Testament is found 57 times. And in the Greek language, the language in which the New Testament was written, the word is dunamis. You may hear the, the similarity of an English word that we, that we use, and that is the word dynamite. That's where we get our word dynamite from in the English language. It comes from the Greek word dunamis. And in fact, the scriptures tell us, and we see through human history, that so powerful was this event of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead after he died on the cross to take your penalty and mine for our sin so that we could be forgiven of our sin. He literally died in our place that after having done that, he was placed in the tomb, but they could not keep him in the tomb. Why? Because Jesus had said a short time earlier, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection. And he said that while he was still alive. So if you are the resurrection, it's awfully hard for the grave to keep you there because that's just who you are. And Jesus rose from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit, and we realize we have that same dunamis, that same power available to us. In fact, again, that event was so significant that it literally separated A.D. from B.C. Do you realize that? That's why we have 
B.C., before Christ, A.D. Why? Because the resurrection of Jesus Christ marked a shift in human history. Not just another new religion. No, it wasn't. there were thousands of religions around the world, and in fact, there weren't a whole lot of followers of Jesus immediately after the resurrection. It took a little bit of time when the Holy Spirit came and, and, and the power of God and the presence of God began to spread like wildfire. But at that time, something so dynamic happened, a shift in human history, that it literally changed it. And now we live in the period of A.D. And in the same way, if you were paying attention to the, the testimonies this morning, when a person encounters Jesus Christ, not just when a person goes to church, not when a person decides to get religious, but when a person actually encounters through a relationship with Jesus God himself, there comes into your life such power that there is literally a shift. There comes a division in your life. There's, there's a total separation from what you used to be and what you are now. And it didn't happen through counseling. It didn't happen through, through more drugs, through more prescriptions, all those kind of things that might help people get through a rough patch once in a while. It came by the power of God that literally changed the individual. We'll talk about more in just a moment. Paul says, I want to experience that mighty power that raised Jesus from the dead. That dunamis, that dynamite. I can remember as a child uh, driving by construction sites, and you would see these huge boulders. Maybe they're making a highway, or they're going to build something there, these huge boulders, and you see them drilling holes into these boulders. What would they do? They would put dynamite inside those boulders, and then they would just detonate them, and the boulders would just become pebbles, and the road was clear. Or, or you ever see the detonation or the, the demolishing of huge buildings? I mean, absolutely impossible to move, you know, humanly speaking. So they just put thousands of sticks of dynamite and charges all through the buildings. They detonate it, and in one push of butt, it just implodes. Then they just cart it away. And the Lord wants us to understand that same dynamic in your life and mine. He says that there's a, when you find yourself in that rut, when you find yourself, you just can't get out of that rut. He says the power, the presence, the life of God who wants to come and live within you, he actually has the power to dislodge whatever you got yourself stuck into, just to shatter it and just to make an open road for you. Whatever obstacle there may be, that you're always trying in all your sincerity to overcome it, to get the best of it, somehow to get around it, and maybe things go for a little while, okay, and then you bump into it again. The Lord is saying the same power of God that raised Christ from the dead is available to you to actually demolish whatever it is you can't go through, what you can't get around. He's there to bring it down by the power of his presence in your life. Not religion, but the power of the presence of Jesus Christ. God wants you to know that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead 2,000 years ago, it is still active and is still available for you to experience real change in your life. That's what these testimonies were about this morning. That's what Fraser was talking about. That's what Kunwuk was talking about. Michael was talking about. Even Michael saying, hey, I was raised in church. A lot of us were raised in church, but it doesn't mean you know the power of God. It doesn't mean you know Jesus Christ. It's like Keith Green said many, many years ago, you know, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. Just being there doesn't make you one of those things. You see, there's a life-changing presence of God that's available to you through what Jesus has done so that your sins can be forgiven, you can be filled with the presence of God, you can truly have a brand new life. What is resurrection power? Two things quickly this morning. Resurrection power, number one, is the power to cancel your past, and it's the power to change your personality. 
That's what the Bible says. Resurrection is the power to cancel your past. Can you imagine that? That there's actually a power to cancel your failures, cancel your sins, cancel your regrets. And when I say cancel, I'm not saying that you pretend they didn't happen. I'm not saying there's some kind of mind game where you deny the things of the past. No. In fact, that's what makes it more glorious is you remember what you were in the past and you stand today and say, I can say with absolute confidence, I'm not that person anymore. I'm a brand new person. There's a brand new life for me because of Jesus Christ. And so he cancels our past. To cancel means to eliminate, to wipe out completely. Another word for cancel means to diffuse. What that means is that Jesus, he's able to render your past absolutely powerless to control your life anymore. You're not just forgiven. It is completely rendered powerless, and you have a new power. Life can be like painting your room in the home. You ever do that, guys? Your wife asks you to paint the house or paint the room, and halfway through she realizes she doesn't like it, doesn't like the color. Uh, Something came to mind, but I can't say it. You know, but it doesn't, it doesn't turn out like you expect and you'd like to start over. And you know what? We can have experiences in our lives. We can have decisions we've made, actions we've done, opportunities we've missed. And we can look back and say, man, I've made some mistakes that I wish I could wipe out. I've made some bad decisions that I wish somehow I could just wipe those out. You see, we all have regrets. The problem is, is that a lot of us live in a state of regret. There's certain things we've done, and we just always have that regret, and it just shapes our life today. Some of us are always second-guessing ourselves. Some of us are tortured by painful memories. We feel like, you know what, I've blown it, and I don't have the right to be forgiven. I've blown it, I don't, I don't have the right to expect life to be any different. I've done something wrong, and today I'm living with the consequences, and that's what I deserve for the rest of my life. That's what we say. In fact, there might even be some people around you who have that same opinion. I want you to know this morning the authority of God's Word. That is not what God says. That's not how He looks at you. That's not His attitude toward you. That's not His plan for you. In fact, the interesting thing is, is God is the only one who has the right to judge you for what you've done. He's the only one that has the right to hold that in your face and to show you uh, how bad your life has been. And yet he doesn't do that. Instead, he says you don't have to carry that load anymore. You don't have to carry the hurts. You don't have to carry the memories. You don't have to carry the mistakes. This is what the Bible says that is true of every person who puts their trust in Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul wrote these words. God forgave all our sins and he canceled Every record of the debt that we were to pay. Isn't that amazing? God forgave every sin. And he canceled the debt that we deserve to pay. You may say, well, Paul, what is sin? When we think of sin, we, we, uh, we just have this list of stuff. That's what religion does. Religion will give you a list of do's and don'ts, good and bad. And it kind of changes with time, changes with culture. But religion basically says, if you do more good than you've done bad, then you should be okay. You should be able to ask God for a favor once in a while. You need Him. And when you die, you should be able to get to heaven because you've done less bad than you've done good. That's the religious way of thinking. But here's what sin is. Sin is actually an old archery term. Uh, The word back then was was spelled S-Y-N-N. And uh, in Old English, 
what it was was the space between the bullseye and wherever the arrow landed. So that distance was called sin, S-Y-N-N. And of course, it came to be to mean in our English language a very serious shortcoming. But I want us to understand that sin goes so much further than simply missing the bullseye. Jesus did not die on the cross for us because, you know, we weren't exactly spiritual Robin Hoods. That's not why he died on the cross. He didn't die on the cross for us because we try our best to aim at God's target, but we keep missing. No, that's not why Jesus died for us. Because you see, our human nature is not that we believe God's target and we're trying really hard, but we keep missing. No, here's what the Bible says about us. Every one of us have turned our backs on God. The issue is we have no interest in God's target. We set up our own targets. Every time you turn on the TV, there's another target. This will make you happy. This will make you fulfilled. This will make life less boring. This will make life exciting. Just keep shooting, 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 shooting. So we're not just missing God's target. We're not even aiming at God's target. We're shooting at every other kind of target you can imagine, and we're wondering why life isn't working. We're wondering why these things don't satisfy us. We wonder why Oftentimes we're frustrated or we just feel inside that there's something lacking. John Maxwell said a number of years ago, I never forgot it, he said, at the end of your life, make sure that the ladder you've been climbing your whole life is not leaning against the wrong wall. You see, our culture will tell you what ladders to climb, but at the end of the day when you're laying in your deathbed, I've never heard anybody say, oh, I'm so glad I reached the top of that ladder. In fact, you know what you oftentimes hear people say? I wish I spent more time with the family. I wish I knew my kids better. I wish I knew God. I wish I knew where I was going. I wish I had peace in my heart. Those are all the things that Jesus wants to settle today in our heart so that we can actually begin to climb the right ladder and actually at the end of our day know that we have lived well, that we have been a success according to what God has made for us. You see, sin means that we're not just target missers, we're actually target worshipers. And so we want to please ourselves, we want to do things our own way, and we ignore the true bullseye, and we focus on so many things that are responsible for a lot of our brokenness and a lot of our brokenness in the world. You see, Jesus understands that we need to be set free because we become so deceived. We actually become the targets. We live in a culture today, and you're the target. The technology is there today. You walk in the store, you walk down the street. You are the target, right? You're the target for sales. You're the target for all your information. Why? Sell, sell, sell. Because you are, you know, you, you're the person that we're going after, and you're never going to get fulfilled. And so we keep missing the target because we go after all the things the culture says you need to do. Jesus said, listen, I want to make you archers. I want to enable you to start hitting the target again. I want you to enable you to get some bullseyes in areas of your life that really are important. I want you to understand how life was meant to work, and I want to give you the power to actually make the right decisions to make life work. That's what he said he came to do. That's what he wants to do in our life. And you might be thinking, Paul, as hard as I try, it just doesn't seem to work. I mean, as hard as I try, I can't seem to stop this thing or that thing, or maybe I can't forgive a certain person, or I can't just live another day with that person that I'm with, whatever. I just can't, I can't, I can't. Listen to what God says. In 2 Corinthians, and Kunwuk mentioned this scripture, he says, those who become Christians, followers of Christ, become what? New persons. They are not the same anymore. For the old life is gone. New life has begun. 
And friends, there are millions of people around the world, there are hundreds in this room here this morning who have found deliverance from those things that would eventually destroy them because they came to Jesus Christ and they realized that life really does work on His terms. They understand that He loves us and He loves us enough to show us that we're going the wrong way. He loves us enough to do what He had to do in order for the power of sin to be broken in our lives that we could be free and that we could be filled with His presence and walk with Him. God sees us in that rut. God also reveals His heart to us in these words. Listen to these words. And understand, these are coming from the heart of God. Jesus pleaded saying, Come to Me, all you who are tired and have heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. You see, what religion does, it imposes burdens on us. Religion gives us a bunch of rituals that are hard to keep. And they're powerless to help us. But you see, it is through a relationship with a person, with Jesus Christ, that we discover the power to become everything our heart longs to be. Everything God has placed as a longing in our heart. The Bible says that Jesus died on the cross to cancel every record of the debt that we had to pay, to wipe it out completely. In fact, you remember what his final words were on the cross? He said, it is finished. What does that mean? It means that Jesus knows everything you've done wrong and that He did not come to condemn you. He came to change you. That's what He said. He said, I've not come into this world to condemn the world that the world might be saved. Jesus was tortured on the cross so that you and I could stop torturing ourselves. He was tortured on the cross so that you and I could have peace with God. We could actually enjoy life in freedom and have a peace that Fraser talked about that passes understanding. One of the most amazing verses in the Bible is Jeremiah 31. God simply says this, I will remember your sins no more. The Bible says God takes our sins. We ask for forgiveness. He throws them into an ocean of forgetfulness. And then he puts a sign on the shoreline saying, no fishing. That's what he does. He buries in the sea of forgetfulness, and he says, I want you to know, when I forgive your sin, I don't remember it anymore. You're a brand new person. But not only do I not remember it, I want you to understand, you've got to stop digging it up. Because that's not how I see you anymore. You're my child. You're a brand new person. Resurrection power is the power to cancel your past. And that's great news. Because it gives you freedom to begin to live in the present. And it also gives you the power to change your personality. Now, if I was to ask you, what would you like to change about yourself? What would you say? You're probably thinking, oh, I don't know, nothing really comes to mind. If I was to ask your spouse, what should you change about yourself? What do you think they would say? One woman said, my husband is so temperamental. He's 90% temper, 10% mental. <laughs> There's a man that walked into the pastor's office and said, Pastor, I want to divorce my wife. The pastor said, but brother, you, you, you promised to take her for better or for worse. And he said, well, she's a lot worse than I took her for. <laughs> God actually gives us the power to change our personality. In fact, that's one of the greatest witnesses of a person who truly encounters Christ. That's what you saw in the videos this morning. You saw people who were so changed in their personalities that their family like almost didn't recognize them. 
or their family actually loved to have them around, welcomed them back into their homes. Why? Because they didn't get religious. They looked in their eyes and saw the old person's not there anymore. This is a brand new person. This is somebody different. Or maybe they got somebody back they didn't have before. God changes our personality. He does it through a two-step process. The first thing He does, which we talked about, is that He wipes out our past. But hear me. If that's all God did, as wonderful as it is, is just wipe out our past and left it at that, it wouldn't be long before we started racking up the problems again. Right? It's kind of consolidate all your credit cards, go to the bank, get them all paid off, but you keep your credit cards, what happens? Over time, they get maxed out again, right? Well, that's not what God has done for us. He has wiped away our sins. He's wiped away our past. But then after washing away our sins, the second thing God does, hear me, is He makes you a brand new person. That's what the Bible says. Listen to this again. Those who become Christians, followers of Christ, become what? New persons. Now, let this last line sink in because this is the gospel truth. They are not the same anymore. The old life is gone. The new life has come. They're a brand new person. Now, you might say sometimes, well, I know some people who, you know, are supposed to be Christian. They don't live very nice. That obviously can happen. But it happens to the Christian who settles for religion. It happens for the person who began a new walk with Jesus Christ, but allowed the busyness of life, the worries of life, the routines to drag them away from spending time with the Lord and being shaped by His presence, shaped by His Word, and instead they settled for religiousness. Whenever you settle for religion, there's always death and dryness. It'll suck the life out of you. But if you'll continue to walk with Jesus, if you'll continue just to spend time with Him, walk with Him through the day, listen to His Word, give Him those things He wants you to give Him, allow Him to shape your life, you'll discover every single day, as the Bible says, His blessings are new every morning. There's new life every day. There's new things that you learn through good times and through bad times, but you know who you are. And you live life from the perspective of, I'm not just a religious person trying to live a good life. I am a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. The presence of God lives within me. I have the power to be a different person because that's who I am. You see, religion is always about trying to become something. Being a Christian is living from who you are. That's why the difference. You see, as a child of God, you know who you are. It doesn't mean you don't make mistakes. If you do, you go to the Father and you confess your sin and He forgives you and you keep on walking, you keep on growing. That's the promise of what the Lord has done in our lives. You, they all become brand new. Now, please understand, to make something new is not fixing something that was broken. To make something new is to make it for the very first time. In God's eyes, the break has never existed. When you come to Christ and you're a brand new person, you can be thinking one day, oh God, I'm so sorry for what I did five years ago. God will say, what are you talking about? I don't see that. I don't, I don't see that. That's not who you are. That's what happened before. That is forgiven. What I see is who you are right now. I see you as my son. I see everything that I have for you because I now have come to live within you. That's why Jesus called it being born again. He means you don't have to turn over a new leaf. You get a whole new life. You get a brand new nature. You discover when you come to Christ, not religion, but when you have a relationship with God where his presence is living within you, he gives you a whole new appetites. He takes some old appetites away because you are a brand new person. And you have the power now to grow in that freedom. How do you grow like that? Romans chapter 12. Do not be shaped by this world. Instead, be changed within 
by a new way of thinking. And then you'll be able to decide what God wants you to do. You will be shaped, not by your culture, you'll be shaped by Christ, the presence of God who lives within you, who walks with you. You see, the reason if you felt the presence of the Lord this morning, and I felt the Lord's presence here, you know why you feel the presence of the Lord when you come to church and people are worshiping God? You feel his presence because he's here. He's here, right? That's why you feel him, because he's real. It's not something that's drummed up. It's not something you musicians put together. You can have great musicianship and yawn your whole time through the service. Or you can be lost in the presence of God because he comes in the midst of the praises of his people. We're beginning a new series next Sunday called People of the Spirit. And I really encourage, I invite you to join us next Sunday for the spring series. We're going to be discovering, reading what some of the wonderful traits that characterize people who allow God to work in their life. I was just so touched last night. Jamie, where's Jamie? Did you get to slip out, Jamie Mills? You're around here somewhere. Hey, bless you. I love this man. Stand up for a second, Jamie. I don't know if you all see Jamie. Bless you, Jamie. Just stay standing for a second. I so appreciate Jamie's heart, Jamie's transparency. Last Sunday night, we had a joint service down at Moncton Westing, probably about 700 people. In part of the service, apart from the worship, we had a prayer time. And they had asked Jamie, I didn't even think they, it was just a God thing. I didn't even think they were thinking. They just asked Jamie, hey, would you lead the congregation in prayer about human trafficking in Moncton? And uh, so Jamie said, sure. So he, 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 he led that time. And I don't know if they were expecting Jamie to share. I don't think so. But I just saw, I, was, I was sitting down there just beaming. I said, oh, God, I love this man. And uh, so proud of him. But 50, and I'm only sharing this because Jamie shared it. But you don't mind, right? If not, we can do good out after if you don't like it. That's not a But Jamie shared, it wasn't that many years ago, that Jamie actually ran two of the largest escort services in the city of Moncton. That's where Jamie was 15 years ago. That whole scene, the drugs, everything. Jamie ran all that stuff in the city. Jamie didn't get religious. No, you see, Jamie met Jesus. You see? Thanks, buddy. Love you, man. It's not a church thing. You see, no church thing is going to change that kind of lifestyle. No church thing is going to free you, liberate you, not only from the chains of what you're into, but all the regrets and the shame and the condemnation. Because, you see, Jamie isn't just a churchgoer. Jamie has a powerful ministry down at Harvest House, but also in our city where the presence of God just flows through Jamie. He only has resurrection power in him. He has resurrection power flowing through him. And the very lives that Jamie was manipulating when he lived in sin and darkness today by the power of the Spirit, he is liberating. Liberating by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the God we serve. That's the God we serve. It's not about church. You'll want to go to church because you want to be with people who love Jesus like you do. That's, that's part of growing. But it's not about religion. It's about resurrection power. It's whether or not you know Jesus, whether or not you realize there is life in all its fullness and is found in the person of Jesus Christ. It's not something you've got to work up. It's something God does on the inside. And that's what faith is all about. And I'm going to close with this. Faith is believing what God says about you and believing what God has for you. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, faith means being sure of the things we hope for and knowing that something is real even when we don't see it. I don't have to have a vision of Jesus and know that he's real. His word is true. It's full of power. The life that he describes, it works. He is with me. He walks with me. He talks to my heart. He hears my heart. He is real. 
And friends, I want you to understand this morning, if you're here, that any area of your life that you can look at this morning and say, you know what, in that area of my life, I don't feel any hope. Any area of your life where there is not hope for change, it is under the influence of a lie. Let me say that again. Any area of your life where you feel stuck, where you feel like there's no hope for change here, I want you to understand you are under a demonic lie. It is not true according to the Word of God, whether it's a lie somebody else has told you or a lie you've told yourself. Now, hope is not just a wish. The Bible word hope is not, well, I wish this would happen. It wouldn't be wonderful if that happened. That's not what God means by hope, not by a long shot. Some people think that hope is just kind of this wispy, ethereal, well, maybe it'll work out, maybe it won't. That is not what God means by this hope that he gives us. God's definition for hope means the joyful anticipation for good. That's what God means when he says that it's hope that he gives us. It's kind of the image of a child sitting by the tree on Christmas morning waiting to unwrap the gift. You know, if you're in a Christian home, a lot of times you'll read the, the Christmas story before the kids open their presents because it's just like the right thing to do. But you think the kids are interested in that? They're just sitting there fidgeting. It's like, come on, get through the story. You know, don't read the amplified version. Just get through it quick. They're fidgeting. They want to open those gifts because they know there's good things inside. That's the image of God, what he means by hope. And so any area of your life where there is not a joyful anticipation for good is under the influence of a lie. Jesus said Satan has come for one reason. He's come to deceive you, to blind you, to rob from you, to steal from you. He said, I have come so that you might have a rich and satisfying life. I have come that you might have life in all its fullness. And friends, when you begin to understand that Jesus really meant that and that he meant it for you, you begin to fidget. And I hope you're fidgeting this morning. If you don't know Jesus this morning, I just hope there's something stirring inside of you. You begin to realize, you mean there's more? You mean there's more? You mean I can actually have freedom? You mean that thing can actually change? I can actually change? You mean this, this, thing, this thing called Christianity is real? There really is a God and I can know him? And you see, when you really know Jesus, you begin to lean into life. You begin to lean in because you understand the things that God has spoken to you. He will bring them to pass. He doesn't want you living in the rut. He doesn't want you living in religion. He wants you to experience the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. I don't want any area of my life to knowingly be under that shadow. I want every area of my life to be alive and rich and satisfying. And I'll tell you how that comes, my friends. It comes by knowing Jesus. It comes by living in the same power that raised him from the dead. You might be thinking this morning, Pastor, I know that stuff, but you know, I, I'm going I'm to do it someday. I'm going to let the power of God work in my life someday. I want to invite you this morning, friends. I want to ask you, why not experience God's power today? Why not experience power today to let go of the past? Why not experience his power today to start over? I love these testimonies we've heard because some people never knew Christ. Mike knew Christ growing up as a kid and in between. So it doesn't matter what spectrum you are at in life. It doesn't matter. Jesus meets you right where you are. And he says, I'm not calling it a religion. I came to destroy religion. 
I came to bring every person to relationship with the living God, with the real God. I came to give you a resurrection power that can actually demolish and dislodge those things that seem impossible to you. I've come to tell you there's hope that any area of your life that you think can't change, you only think that because you believe the lie. The truth is the Son has come to set you free. And whom the Son has set free is completely free. Indeed. That's why He's come. Amen? Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. That's who He is. That's who He is. Will you bow your heads with me? Just every head bowed for a moment. Every eye closed. I'm not going to prolong the service, but I'm going to finish the service by asking this simple question. If you're here this morning and you would say, Pastor, it doesn't matter what spectrum you are at. You could be far from God. You could be a backslider. You could be a church person who's just in religion. You say, Pastor, I want to open my heart afresh this morning to receive resurrection power. I'm going to ask first this morning, if you're here this morning and you've never opened your heart to Jesus Christ, and you say, Pastor, I want to know Jesus. I don't want religion, but I want to know this resurrection power of the presence of God in my life. Every head bowed, just real quickly. Would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. Go ahead, just real quick. I want to know. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? Just a couple more moments. God bless you. Yes. Anybody else this morning? Every head bowed. You may be a believer here again. Yes, God bless you. I see you. You may say, Pastor, yeah, this morning, Easter Sunday, I'm recommitting myself to the Lord. I want to live in resurrection power. I know religion. I don't like it. It drains the life out of me. I want Jesus, and I want to know him crucified. Amen. Yes. How many believers would say, that's me? That's me. I want the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for your honesty. That's my heart this morning. That's my heart for this spring as we move into this series, People of the Spirit. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And as they do, I'm going to ask when we stand in just a moment to close the service. I realize our time is gone. But when we, when we stand to sing this closing song, we have some people who are going to come. And they're here just to pray with you. You may have some need totally unrelated to what I shared this morning. Sickness in your body, stress, whatever. They want to pray with you. But if you raised your hand this morning to open your heart to Jesus Christ, would you take that step? Jesus said, if you're not ashamed of me before people, I will not be ashamed of you in heaven before my Father. He just asks us to step out and say this morning, I've made that commitment to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Whatever church you may go to, it doesn't matter. Just be a follower of Jesus Christ. I encourage you. They won't keep you any more than three or four minutes just to pray with you and give you a hug before you leave this morning. And then when you go into the foyer, uh, everyone will see it. I think, I think Susan has a big question mark, balloon, and some things out there. There's a table. That's where you can get the information on Alpha. And so we encourage you, a week from Monday, if you're exploring the Christian faith, or maybe you raised your hand and said, there's still some things I need to learn, I want to invite you to come out for the supper from 6 to 8 on the Monday night. But here's the catch, okay? It is just an introduction night. You don't have to commit to going to Alpha by going the first night. You go the first night just to see whether or not this is your cup of tea. And if it is, you can come back, and they'd love to have you. But it's just supper, introduction to the Alpha Ministry, and you can decide from there if you want to sign up. So we encourage you to come out. You can get information at the table. And finally, if you're exploring the Christian faith, we have a book that's free for you. I grabbed about a dozen or so. They're out there at the same table, the Alpha table. And it's by Lee Strobel, who was an atheist. 
but he investigated for himself the claims of Christ. He was a writer for the Chicago Tribune a number of years ago, and through his own investigation, not even in, in the Bible itself only, but just through secular resources, he came to the conclusion undeniably that Jesus was who he said he was and did what he said he did, and he came to Christ. He's a dynamic communicator today. So we have that free resource for you if you're exploring the Christian faith as well as Alpha. So God bless you. Thank you for your honesty this morning. Have a wonderful, wonderful Easter weekend. Amen. Full of resurrection power because Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day in the Lord. And make sure you come back next week. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. The ministry team is going to come at this time, if you will, right away. And as they come, if you want to receive prayer or you raise your hand to receive Christ, would you take three or four minutes and just come and stand with one of them? They'd love to meet you and pray with you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day in the Lord.